Hi, and welcome to the Unveiled Podcast. We discuss all things related to women to help us think Christianly in every area of life. My name's Sandy, and I'm here with Susie. We both have a passion to bring gospel reform to womanhood, to families, and really to all of life. My background is in education and music, and Susie's training is in biblical counseling, theology, and ministry to women. Susie and I have been friends and have served at our local church for over 20 years together. Well, Susie, I'm excited to bring back the podcast. This is our comeback episode, and um, it's a really busy season in the life of our church right now. So why? Why now? Why restart this now? Well, you're right. This is a busy season, but it's busy because God is doing amazing things. God is bringing so many people to our church, people who are hungry to know more, hungry to know how to respond to the chaos in our world. And they know that our church, because it's rooted in God's Word, has answers for them, has hope, hope that they don't see many other places. And so we we have to acknowledge our world is in chaos and women in particular, because we minister to women, are looking for clarity. And if they're not looking for it, they need it. Mm-hmm. And we are hoping to bring some clarity to the chaos in our culture by speaking about all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, our women, uh, our women's ministry, you and I, we are committed to think Christianly in every area of life. And that means that we need to have lots of conversations. And we do have big events or conferences a couple times a year, and we talk about these things. We bring them up as we have Bible study when they come up. But it doesn't seem to be enough. I've just realized it's become abundantly clear to me that when I hear conversations that women are having or when I realize that women have been offended by certain biblical truths. And when I look out into the world, I just see that there's so much confusion about what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a biblical woman. And I want to help bring some clarity to to that. I feel honored that God has put us in this position, given us this opportunity. We want Christian conversations to be often and about everything that pertains to our lives, whether it be about our roles or about modesty, about abortion, about gender, about parenting and submission, about purity and and anything else that that we we think about that we struggle with. We want to have Christian conversations. We want to help women think Christianly in every area of their lives. And so Today, we're going to start with a general overview of womanhood. And I think back to when I was a mom with young children. My children are now grown. I have four adult children, and and the fifth will be 18 in January. I remember there's this common sentiment. I think we would have all related. If you were a stay-at-home mom, you kind of felt guilty for not going to work. The women that were working felt guilty for not being at home. And so... It seemed like neither of us could be fully satisfied. We felt kind of torn at our roles. We didn't really know if we were doing the right thing. And I would say since then, things have gone downhill. They've gotten worse to the point that people don't even know how to define what a woman is. Or maybe they just don't really want to because they don't want to stir up any, you know, uh, um, any frustration amongst their peers. And so they just 
avoid topics about femininity and about the differences of our roles, the differences between men and women. Rather, we just hear things like, you do you, and don't tell me what's right or wrong or how to live. Don't tell me that I'm different or that I can't do everything that a man can. Don't compare me. Just make everything and everyone the same so that there can be no opportunity for hierarchy because, after all, hierarchy or authority is is wrong in our culture, right? But really deep down, I think the person who wants everything to be the same actually wants to rise to the top. Our culture is so confused. We're so destroyed and so deep in sin that— At this point, I think we can either sink in despair or we can rise to the call of bringing gospel reform. A culture in chaos is ready for gospel reform, and a destroyed femininity is ready to be transformed. And now is the perfect time to restore. God has placed us here at such a time as this, and we want to be faithful. We don't want to miss this opportunity. It's certainly not an easy call. We might make a few more enemies. I don't know. That's not our intent. But— It is an awesome call, and God has given us everything we need to accomplish His purposes. I love that. I love that. A destroyed femininity is ready to be transformed, and um, this is a call to rise up. Mm -hmm. Um, As someone who was raised in a culture, in a family where feminism was put on a pedestal to the detriment of men even, I think many Mm. of our listeners can relate we have allowed femininity to be distorted almost beyond recognition. Um, you see biological men winning Women of the Year awards. It's crazy. So what do you think? How do we break free? How do we get it back? And where do we even start? Well, I think those of us who are thinking about these things might be tempted to react to all this confusion by simply jumping back to our favorite favorite historical era where men and women seem to understand what it meant to be male and female. It might be a romantic era where uh, men or women wore all these elegant dresses and they might have 10 children working at home and it just seemed like a beautiful place to live. It seemed like they knew uh how to live out their manhood and womanhood. But I think we often forget that each era had its own unique challenges. And if we're just jumping back to the way things used to be without really looking to the Bible, we're really missing the point. And that's one of the things that I really loved about a documentary that I listened to recently, how she pointed out that we can't just jump back to that favorite era of ours. We have to go back to God's Word. And of course, I believe it starts by going back to the beginning and rebuilding the foundation by going back to creation with a gospel-centered perspective. And that takes us to Genesis 1, 27 to 28, that says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Very clearly, we have to start by acknowledging that God is the creator, and that means he is in sovereign control over everything. He has clearly created two kinds of humans. He has created male and female, and they have been created in his image and in his likeness. He is God and we aren't. And so we as his creatures need to submit to his authority on this. We can't go about making more genders or redefining our roles or affirming those who do. God's authority is good and it's beautiful. 
It's not oppressive. And we need to submit to him. And we will actually be most satisfied and most at peace knowing we are perfectly loved and protected by him. Mm. That's a great starting point to acknowledge that God is Lord over your life and that, you know, we can be still and know that He is God. We can trust in Him. It actually reminds me of the song that we sing sometimes, I gain it all in the letting go. So I'm mm-hmm. letting go. You are in control. And there's that great peace that comes from submitting to God's rule and being under His loving care. But what does this look like and what does this mean in terms of our femininity specifically? Hmm. Yeah, well, we we have to know our mission, our identity, and our role. We as women have been created by God to reflect His glory, and we need to understand that we are equal in mission and identity, but we are complementary in our roles. Mm -hmm. So we have the same mission as men. We are both created to be His image bearers who bring glory to God. We make Him glorious by both our worship and our work. And then we have the same identity. In Christ, we are equally and eternally loved children of God. Our worth and our identity are rooted in Him. 2 Corinthians 5.17, one of my favorite passages of Scripture says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Our our worth, our identity, it's in Christ. And that's the same for men or women. The moment that we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are called into the family of God. We are identified in Christ. Our worth is in Him. Our power is in Him. Who we are, it's all about Him. And that's the same whether we're male or female. But where we differ is in our roles. We have complementary roles. That means that who I am complements men, and who they are is complementary to me. And specifically as women, we are called to be helpers and life givers. That's how we differ. We live differently. We have a different role than than men do. And that's a good thing. In Genesis 2.18, we we get a very beginning description of our complementary roles, even though I think there's lots of other verses that we could go to. And as we continue this podcast over the weeks, we will definitely get into some other verses that talk about our role as women. But Genesis 2.18 says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. God made us to be helpers. And if God made us that way, it's a very good thing. And we need to stop thinking of our roles as inferior and begin embracing who we are. After all, the Holy Spirit, who is God himself, has been described as our helper. He helps us in our time of need. And so how can we think that if we are created to be the helper of our husband, that that is somehow inferior Absolutely not. We've got to get rid of that kind of thinking. So rather than thinking of a helper being inferior, we need to think, okay, so this is who God has made men to be. Masculine men, they are going to be leaders and protectors and initiators. So how then, as a woman, can I complement that? How can I make life complete by being feminine? And I don't just mean in marriage, but in all of culture. Certainly in marriage, 
And I believe Genesis 2 is specifically talking about marriage. So in, in marriage, certainly our roles are are different, and we have been designed and mandated to be helpers. But this design also affects all of life. As a human, or in humanity, we need both men and women. Humanity as a whole is made complete when men live as men and women live as women. Uh, our society and all of life and fruitfulness depends on both. We are made to complement each other. Both men and women work, but much of our work is different due to our femininity, and we don't need to apologize for it or somehow feel bad about that. Our work is to bear fruit and have dominion, and men do this too, but how their work is um, done is different because for one thing, we are biologically different, and God has given us different roles. So part of it is our our physical makeup. We're different, and so we have to accept that. But even above that, if God has told us to have different roles, then we need to submit to that. So first of all, bearing fruit. We are called to multiply and fill. And I think it's absolutely amazing. Certainly, we need men to be part of that, but our bodies as women are designed to bring life. Did you know that at the time that you are born, there are about 1 million eggs in our ovaries that start being released when we officially become women? That's pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then our brains have the ability to send hormones to our breasts to start producing milk to nourish our babies and even to bond with our babies. That's that's so fascinating that God gave this to us that he didn't give to men. I almost feel sorry for men, right? Like they're missing out that they don't have this special hormone. Certainly they have their own hormones and they have great abilities as well. But what God has given us as women is truly amazing. Uh, With that comes responsibility. And so the truth is we will need to take time off to have a baby But this should not in any way be seen as a hindrance, but it should absolutely be embraced as a blessing. We may even choose to put our careers on hold so that we can devote our life to raising our children. To do this should not be considered an inconvenience, and definitely we shouldn't consider it a sacrifice. It's an honor and a a blessing. It's so sad to think that our culture has trained us to think uh, that to— have a career is in some way more important than raising children. Yeah, and I'm I'm so glad we're talking about this because I think many women, myself included, when my kids were younger, don't really even entertain the idea of staying home because it's it's something that is so looked down upon. Mm-hmm. And we're we're raised from a young age to um, go to school, get a career, and um, I'm I'm just really glad that this conversation is happening. Mm-hmm. It. It can be very life-changing to reconsider what our purpose and what our main priorities should be. Sandy, you and I watched a documentary recently, and I loved your takeaway from it. Would you mind sharing it with us? Sure. Yeah. It was a great documentary. Um, I actually would like to watch it again. (laughs) Even Exile is what it was called. And um, they reference Proverbs 14.1. 
and it says the wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. This really sums it up. As a culture, myself included in this, women have had their eyes and desires outside of the home with careers, travel, fashion, whatever it may be, and we've missed out on the huge blessing that's right in front of us. I love how the narrator shows us the bigger picture of God's design for women and how it's important work. We're working because we're building something phenomenal. It's not menial or mundane, although it can feel like that sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think because we've viewed it as mundane, that's why we've turned our eyes away from the home and onto our careers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, th I think we've we've missed the point in so many ways. And I love that women, more women are talking about this. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I love a quote from Linda Weber from Focus on the Family. And she says this, For many reasons, all women are not mothers, but all women are born to nurture. And so I totally understand that it is a very sensitive topic to talk about our roles as women, especially when it includes being married or having children, because not all women will get married and they might have a desire to get married. Not all women are able to have children and there's a variety of reasons for that. And I know that can be super painful, but whether or not we're married or whether or not we're able to have children, I think we should all embrace the fact that having children is part of our femininity and we should champion it. And like Linda said, we might not all be mothers, but all women are born to nurture. And so whether we have our own children or not, we, we should ask ourselves, am I embracing and using my unique and feminine ability to nurture the people that God has entrusted to me? Maybe he hasn't entrusted children, but what about your friends? What about your, your sisters? What about other women in your church or place of work? There's lots of people that need nurturing. Mm -hmm. And I think we should re-embrace re that beautiful quality that God has given to us. It's not just for women who are able to have children. I think all of us are born to nurture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how can a woman fulfill this part of her role before she's married or if she does stay single? Well, I think... That requires a full podcast that we'll have to do at another date okay. <laughs> because Sounds there's good. a lot there to be said oh, and yeah. something that I think we all need to be thinking through. But for now, I'd just like to say that giving birth to physical children is a blessing and it's a gift, but it's not a gift that we are entitled to. That means if we are able to have children, we praise God and we raise them to be His disciples. But if we're not able to have children, we need to acknowledge and we need to affirm this in other women that they are no less valuable, they're no less of a woman, and they have no less of a mission for God. There are many ways that we can be life givers and be fruitful in this world, even if we don't have the gift of, of bearing children. Whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, we need to be faithful and to be stewards of what God has given to us. We don't need to have a checklist to fulfill. We just simply need to walk with God and obey Him every day. And then to creatively think about how each one of us is personally called to reflect Him with the circumstances that He's placed us in. 
we we do need to focus on being fruitful. If I have physical children, or if I don't have physical children, my focus is being fruitful. I love how Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians 7, 32 to 35. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. The married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. I think it's very clear that Paul almost seems to favor not being married. But in the end, he just acknowledges that we should all have undivided devotion mm-hmm. to the Lord. But he recognizes that if you are married, you're you're going to be distracted. There's other responsibilities that are going to take up your time. And so we need to be prepared for that. But regardless, whether we're married or not, we need to be fruitful. We need to be devoted to the Lord and make Him our our object of worship. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great scripture to solidify that God can use us in our current situation, whether married or not, um, that we don't have to wait until marriage to fulfill our biblical role and to be content mm-hmm. where we are. Um, yeah, so other than being life givers, what is our role? Well, our role is to have dominion, and largely that means bringing order. As image bearers, we are many rulers. We bring glory to God as we care for and creatively manage the work that has been entrusted to us. And this this looks different if we are married, but all of us are given the role of dominion. And as we complement the rules of men, we bring completion, the image of God. As image bearers, we are all called to subdue, to bring order to a world that is in chaos. And it starts with us. One of my favorite quotes that most of the people that know me have probably heard me say, but I think it's worth repeating, is a quote by Elizabeth Garn. And she describes dominion this way. She says, having dominion is about bringing order, ordered hearts, ordered relationships, ordered businesses, ordered homes out of chaos. We must know him, be with him, and rest in him if we are going to reflect him to the world. I love how she ends that quote because ultimately it starts by our relationship with God. We have to know him. Mm. We have to rest in him, and we have to be with him. We have to spend lots of time with God if we are actually going to be able to do this. And, And then we begin by bringing order to all of these areas. So if our heart is in chaos, we go back to the Lord and and re-surrender our hearts to Him. If our relationships are out of order, then we say, okay, Lord, where have I been sinning? Where have I had the wrong priorities? Or where are my idols so that I can once again bring my relationship? As far as it depends on me, sometimes we, we don't necessarily have control about how the other person is responding. But as far as it depends on me, what is my responsibility to bring order to this relationship. If I'm married, I need to make sure I am submitting and respecting my husband. If I'm a mother, then I need to make sure that I am caring for and providing for my children. If I'm an employee, I need to make sure that I'm working with integrity, that I'm working hard, that I'm doing things with excellence, I'm submitting to my boss. All these relationships, 
we have the responsibility to bring order to them. And then our business, whether it's our own personal business or we're working for somebody else, we want to do that with integrity. If we're not people of integrity, our business, our work is very quickly going to become stressful and difficult and chaotic. And then, of course, our homes and all of us are responsible for that. If we've been spending time with the Lord, if we're in prayer, if we're in surrender to Him, if we're worshiping Him in our homes and using our time wisely, prioritizing things that need to be prioritized, our homes will likely have a sense of order. And we have a lot of control over that. We are many rulers, and our priority should be to bring all these things into order. As women, we we have a, a strong relational capacity, and so we should take advantage of that. And particularly in a relationship with God, we need to enjoy and lean into Him so that when things get out of control, He helps us to bring order back to any one of those areas. And the other thing I wanted to mention is, we've kind of been talking about this, but I think it's so important for us to recognize that having dominion is work. Work is not part of the curse. Work is something that we have been created to do. It's part of our creational mandate. And so whether we are working in our home or outside the home, sitting around on our phones or waiting to be doted on like princesses is not an option. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, housewives have sometimes given women a bad rap, right? Mm -hmm. Because there are lazy women just watching soap operas and their house is in chaos or they're just princesses that, you know, want to go and spend lots of money and expect their husbands to bring home a big paycheck. That's not the honorable way to Mm -hmm. live. I think we need to be working hard, whether we're at home yeah. yeah, I think it's like like you said, it's not a passive, it's active. Yeah. We need to be intentional. Yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah. I like that. We we need to be active. And to be active, we need to be creative, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we don't just have to do the same old thing day by day. Certainly there are some things that, you know, there will always be laundry and always be cooking and cleaning and that kind of thing. But there could be lots of creativity in how we use our day. And so we need to put our energy and our passion into it, whether it's cooking or cleaning or decorating or teaching our children or managing an office, whatever it is, let's do it well. Let's do it with excellence. Let our work reflect our creator. And um, as a woman, it, it might look different than a man's work. We're different people. The, the reality is we we aren't as physically strong. We have a unique ability to nurture children and to nurture people. And and that should be part of our priority. In fact, nurturing our children should take priority over our career. Uh, many times we're more sensitive and emotional, and sometimes that itself can be viewed as a negative thing. And maybe sometimes we do use it negatively, and we have to take ownership of that. But sometimes that sensitivity and emotional side of us is actually what is needed in society to bring a little bit of humanity back mm-hmm. where it's been taken, right? And so, yeah, we we are going to be different. And one of the things uh, I've come to realize is that many women have the ability to be great leaders. And there's nothing wrong with that. We We can lead. Some women are very strong in their leadership skills. But I've also noticed that even women who are leaders 
they're better if they have a strong man looking out for them. I've personally experienced this in a in a workplace. I think workplaces that are predominantly women tend to have more drama. Let's just admit it. Let's face it. I, I worked in a nursing home for several years, and most of the people that worked there were women, and there was drama. Women get emotional. They get sensitive. They get offended. They don't want to deal with things. And sometimes there's more conflict because of it. I think we have to admit that. We are made to complement one another. And so sometimes we just need to stop trying to be so independent and actually learn to lean in to the strength that God has given to the men in our lives. Mm -hmm. Okay, that would have offended me a few years ago. (laughs) 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 But Susie, I know uh, we've seen the fruit of strong biblical male leadership in our own homes and especially in our church in the past couple of years. And um, in conversations that I've had with other women, the feeling is is that we have never felt so protected and so sure of our role mm. as helper. Mm-hmm. It, it really is a beautiful thing when mm-hmm. men live out, out their manhood in a biblical way and women live out their womanhood. It's mm-hmm. it's beautiful. I think it's super important that we affirm the femininity in our young girls. We need to affirm who they are. And sometimes we as parents can actually be the ones that are the most detrimental to their daughters. We can just be so focused on encouraging them in their education, in their career pursuit, that we forget to nurture the fact that likely they've been created to be mothers. Mm -hmm. And we might delay that longer than necessary, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, We might try to make her strong and tough like her brothers or make fun of her emotions. Maybe we forget to affirm her beauty because we don't want the focus to be on the outward. But girls are pretty, and Mm -hmm. sometimes they need to hear that. We might not affirm their gentleness or... Sometimes we we forget to teach our girls how to really take care of themselves, how to really, you know, model their beauty in a way that is both pure but also feminine. Mm. Our girls need their femininity affirmed from the time that they are young. And we, like I said, already said, we, we definitely don't want to focus on the outward, but we shouldn't ignore it either. It is part of who we are. God's word doesn't even ignore physical beauty. Mm-hmm. In fact, in Job 42, verse 14, it says this about Job's daughters. And in all the land, there was no woman so beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. I think that that shows that it's okay to affirm the beauty in our daughters. Teach Teach our girls. We need to teach our girls to be beautiful, to show them how to dress feminine. One thing I've noticed in in culture, sometimes even in Christian homes, that we allow our girls to dress a little bit too much like boys. And once again, that's probably going to be offensive to some people yeah. because, <laughs> you know, who am I to say that's feminine or that's masculine? But we do need to be careful about that. We we don't have to dress our girls in dresses in pink all the time. But there is definitely, you know, a little bit of a gray area where maybe we're sliding a little bit into too much masculinity, even in our dress, rather than embracing the femininity and encouraging our girls to really think through mm-hmm. how they're going to dress. And that the way they dress makes them look like a girl, that there's mm-hmm. 
a real difference. And it's interesting to me how we've kind of become complacent about that. And maybe it's because we want to be modest. Maybe it's because we don't want to draw attention to the physical beauty because certainly there's been a reaction towards that because there is certainly a vanity involved in in outward beauty and we can all be tempted in that way. And we don't want to promote that either. But let our girls be girls. Let them wear their dresses if they want to. Let Mm -hmm. them dress in pink. And if they're inclined to dress more like a boy, maybe we actually need to teach them what it means to dress like a girl. Wow. This is great. This is great. I have a conversation that I need to have. <laughs> this is great, though. Yeah. No, I, I just, uh, I think it's it's important. We mm-hmm. want to teach our daughters what it means to be feminine. Mm-hmm. We need to remind ourselves what it means to be feminine and that our femininity is a good thing. God declared it in Genesis right. when he first created us that femininity and masculinity is a good thing. It's great. So um, I think that when we do this, we will actually have more peace and contentment. When we actually know and our girls know what it means to live out their femininity rather than trying to be like men or compete with men or compare themselves to men, I think they're actually going to have more peace. They're Mm going to be more satisfied because they're going to know what's expected of them. And boundaries are a good thing. Our culture doesn't like to talk about boundaries or expectations because that seems to be confining. But it's actually safe to know what's expected of us. Obviously, with expectations, there's flexibility. But there's certain boundaries that we should stay within in order to honor and glorify God. And as we shine out in the qualities that God has given to us that are unique to us as women, there is true beauty that will be found in that. Mm. And I think most of the women who are listening would want that in their lives, order and peace rather than chaos and competition. And I really like how you have broken this into manageable areas because it can seem overwhelming as, as we shift from one way of thinking to something totally different. Again, trusting God to help us think more biblically and to put some of this into practice So um, just as we are ending, what do you think are some common pitfalls? Hmm. Well, first of all, we've definitely had sinful role models, Mm -hmm. right? And sometimes that means we've had people in authority abuse us. That's definitely going to affect our ability to see manhood and womanhood from God's perspective. And other times people have just strayed so far from being biblically feminine or biblically masculine that they've just been really bad examples. And whether it's something extreme like abuse or it's just neglectfully being man or woman, I think we need to forgive them. I think we need to call it for what it is, acknowledge it. Let's not be too afraid to say, yeah, I've had some bad role models But then we're not going to blame them. We're not going to stay in that victim mentality. We have to come to a point where we need to forgive. And um, that's that's huge too. And if if you're in that situation, uh, certainly you you probably need to have a conversation one-on-one with a godly woman that can help you through that. But then there's other things, things that we are responsible for. And one of them is jealousy. I think as women... We can be guilty of this. We can be easily jealous of another 
woman's accomplishments or another woman's status, instead of just being grateful and thankful that she has been able to do what she does, we're jealous mm -hmm. because we want it for ourselves. And that goes right along with the idea of, of comparison. We can compare ourselves. Like all the petty things that we do, we might walk into a room and see, oh, that woman is you know, more overweight than I am, so I guess I feel pretty good today. Or that woman has pretty hair and I'm having a bad hair day, so I feel bad about myself. We compare ourselves and we choose to either feel good or bad ourselves depending on whether our comparison is worse or better than mm -hmm. the woman that's next to us. So petty, but we're all guilty of it. Yep. And then there's pride. The reality is we we think too much of ourselves. And sometimes that can be shown through arrogance. We think we're so great. Or it can be shown through thinking so much of ourselves because we're always putting ourselves down and feeling worse than we should. So we just need to have humility. And humility is really having the right understanding of ourselves, a proper perspective in light of who God is and what he's done for us. And there's greed. We always want more. We want more clothes, more attention, better grades, whatever it might be. We just really need to learn to, to be satisfied with what God has given us and then be generous, right? Instead of wanting more, let's give more. Once again, that goes along with discontentment. Unfortunately, I think so many women are discontent and we've become discontent because we have, sometimes we have too much time to think about what's going on around us or who has what and how our friends have more than what we have or always striving for the next stage in life instead of embracing the mm -hmm. stage that we're currently in, right? And you know, if we're single, we're looking forward to the day that we're married. And when we're married, we're looking forward to the day that we have children. When our children are newborns, we look forward to the day that they're toddlers. Once they're toddlers, we look forward to the day that, well, maybe we don't look forward to the day that they're teenagers. <laughs> but I actually love my teenagers. I think they're great. But when they're two, you're probably thinking, I don't know if I can handle a teenager. Mm -hmm. And then once they're teenagers, you look forward to them getting married. And we're always looking forward to what's next instead of just being content with what we have right now. And then number seven, this is a huge one, and I'm not just pointing the finger. I know I can be so guilty of this myself. Number seven is offense. We are so easily offended. And someone who's offended, really, we're taking away from that gentle, quiet spirit that God has given us. We, we take away the ability to nurture because we suddenly become so consumed with ourselves. So once again, humility is the answer to that. I love a quote. I actually have it on my social media. It says, a humble woman is hard to offend. So when I'm offended, I <laughs> have to remind myself, okay, I'm actually being prideful right now. Mm. I might be able to justify why I'm offended. I might be able to point the finger, but ultimately it comes back to me. I have to just tell myself, okay, yeah, I can acknowledge maybe they did something right, but ultimately I'm responsible for how I'm going to respond to that. And if I respond in humility, I can acknowledge, hey, they did wrong. But more often than not, when I am offended, it's because I'm taking things too personally, mm -hmm. or maybe I'm idolizing something, idolizing affirmation or love or 
accomplishment, whatever it might be, instead of just serving the Lord and allowing him to bear the fruit that he has intended for that work, right? So, yeah, I need to be humble. I need to be teachable. And as I do that, as I serve the Lord, I will be less and less offended. So that's it for now. In a couple of weeks, we'll be back. We're going to break down the different qualities of womanhood uh, and relate that to today's context. And so we just encourage all our listeners to join us again in rebuilding biblical womanhood from the foundation. Mm -hmm.